0: So this morning we are going to we're going to talk about actually it's the last message in the the next series the next level series and I am so excited about what we're going to talk about today it is about what you heard already but we're going to put some feet to it in terms of what does the bible say about how we get connected our, the connection levels that we have and so the premise of this series that is simply this is that connection determines my effectiveness i cannot be effective before god unless I'm connected to God and to one another. The church is not about just gathering a crowd, it's about gathering a community and that's what we want you to be a part of, is not just the crowd but the community. And so the question that I wanna answer today is how are we connected? What is the basis of our connection? What is it that connects us in in such a powerful and emotional and spiritual way? And I wanna start with a personal question and that personal question is simply this, are you connected here at Grace? Are you personally connected here at Grace? And I, I just, that's such an important question for you to answer and it's not a judgmental question. I just want you to know where you are, to admit where you are so that we can help you move forward and that you never move forward without, first of all, realizing where you are. So I'm gonna ask one more time, how are you connected? Are you just part of the crowd? Or are you part of a, of a group of people that have, that have the gospel, the center f- front, and that we are moving together as the body of Christ here at Grace Church? So that's a question I want you to evaluate all the way through the message. And so today what I want to look at is that there are three things that connect us. I want to see if you can resonate with these three things. These are powerful things. The first thing that connects us is our need for hope. You and I live in a culture that is drowning because they have no hope. So whether you're listening online or you're here on campus, I want you to just evaluate what God has given to you at, in relationship to hope. And let me just tr- show you the source of our hope as a believer because it's different than the world's source of hope. So let me show you this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Notice that word. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So this hope that the Bible talks about here is described as a living hope. It's a powerful hope. This hope turns joy or, or despair into joy. This is a hope that really has an impact upon our lives. So the greatest example that I could draw from is probably the life of the apostles. Think about the life of the, of the apostles. Jesus called 12 men, 11 of them. One of them was a deceiver, but of the 11 that survived, they had all left businesses They had all left families and they picked up their cross and they learned what it meant to follow Jesus Christ. That is such an important thing. And then, and and the reason they did is because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. The one that would come to rescue them. But here is the problem. They thought what that meant was that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government and that he was establish his kingdom right then, right there, 2,000 years ago. And that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was 2,000 years of church history. And, and yes, he's coming back to establish his kingdom. But they thought it was then and they thought it was in their lifetime. And so they left families and fortunes and, and picked up their cross and followed Jesus. And then Jesus was arrested. And he went to the cross and he died and he was put in a tomb and, and they started hiding because now they're criminals. And the reality is, is they were in absolute, as you read through the New Testament, they were in despair because they laid everything on the line for Jesus and seemingly all was done, all was ended. And it, And they felt abandoned and they felt confused and they felt all the emotions, maybe a little frustration and anger. I don't know all that they felt, but the reality is, is this is what I know, is that they were in despair until they had an encounter with the risen Christ. And then their hope turns to exceeding joy. In one moment, in one second, they go from absolute bonkers despair To a place where they have this exceeding joy, knowing that Christ was who he said he was, knowing that he was gonna bring his kingdom, knowing that the game has now changed. So, what I want you to see here is the kind of hope that God has for you and I does not disappoint. The world's kind of hope disappoints us all the time, right? You know, things are offered to us all the time and they just are empty. They're empty promises. How many problems have appeared to be resolved? Only to reoccur again. How many times have we heard, I won't hurt you again. Or I won't disappoint you again. And we came through an election season where where all sorts of promises are made during an election season. And if, you know, I've been around for 68 years now. And this is what I've realized is that I've been through a lot of elections. And normally after the election is over, almost none of those things actually come to reality. They just sound good during election times. You all understand that? I'm not being political. I'm just telling you the way it is. I'm just saying this world disappoints us. Leaders disappoint us, spiritual leaders disappoint us, but the one that doesn't disappoint is Jesus of Nazareth. And this hope that we're talking about is centered uh, on, the, on the risen Savior. And the world's kind of hope is centered on a world destined to fall. I mean, I've read the end of the book of Revelation, friends, and this is how the story ends this world crumbles. Economies fall. Armies. There's wars. There's famine. There's earthquakes. It gets worse. It doesn't get better. I'm not here to tell you, wow, believe in Jesus and everything is going to be great. It's going to get better. It's not. But I know the end of the story. And the end of the story is, is that Christ comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. He establishes His kingdom on this planet. He reigns here, <coughs> excuse me, for a thousand years. And it is an amazing reign. And uh, The the reality is, excuse me, I just have to cough one time and then I'll be done. There we we go. So here in in this life, this is what I've come to realize. Our experience in the gospel today is a preview of the glory to come. I mean, think about that. Our, Our experience in the gospel today is a preview of the glory to come. That truth that sets us free. The fact that all of my sins are washed away. Isn't that liberating? Isn't that amazing that I don't have to stand in judgment towards any sin that I've ever committed? All of that is just a preview of the glory to come. Now think about that and contrast that with how many times have you watched a preview of a coming attraction at the movies only to be disappointed with the actual film. Has that ever happened to you? You think, oh good, I'm going to spend 15 bucks and I'm going to go see this movie. And you walk out going, that was a waste of money. That was horrible. It was, it was awful. But the Bible never disappoints. The Bible guarantees that you will not be disappointed when you see Jesus at the throne of his Father in all of his glory. And here's what is great. We share, what brings us together is that you and I together share that hope. We share it. You have it, I have it. I don't have more of it than you have. You don't have more of it than I have. We collectively together share in this hope that Jesus Christ is coming back to redeem this broken and fallen world. And it is an amazing thing. So how powerful is hope in our lives? How powerful is that? So let me just explain it to you this way. Let's Let's talk about the world's hope for a second. And there is hope in what the world offers. There is some. Let me give you an example of it. This is an ironic thing. Sometimes when a drug is being introduced or tested, what happens is the way they test it is they pick a population, a people group, and then they give a certain portion of those people a placebo, meaning that there's no drug involved in it. It's just a pill that's probably contains sugar. And then they give the re- actual drug, and then they record the results. And here's what's amazing to me. This is what I find fascinating is that almost always there's some positive effect of people who took the placebo pill. In other words, their hope made them get better. Somehow some way, even to the point where well, this is what's really fascinating, in some studies they have discovered that in some in some instances 50% of the people got better. I mean, 50% just taking the placebo got as got as better as those taking the actual drug. Now that's the power of hope. Now think of it this way. Now imagine the kind of hope that you and I possess. You and I possess this amazing hope, this powerful hope. Jesus is not a placebo, he's the real thing. And all of that is foreshadowing the things that are to come, the guarantee of things that are gonna come. The fact is, is that you and I are given the Holy Spirit. The moment we believe in Jesus, we're given the Holy Spirit that seals us until the day of our redemption as a foreshadow and guarantee of the things that are to, that are to come. And that should get you excited about your faith, that should get excited get you excited about the connection that that brings. And think about this, the person sitting next to you shares that same hope. The person sitting next to you, more than likely if they're a believer, shares that same hope that you possess. And that is, there's this supernatural connection that I can't explain. I've had the opportunity to travel all over the world. And I've been, I've done a lot of work in Russia. And uh, don't speak the language hardly at all. I know enough to get myself in trouble. You know, I can, you know, say hello and goodbye. And, you know, where's the bathroom? Those kind of things. Those are essential things. But I don't speak the language. But as I, as I go and I meet with believers there, even before the, even before the interpreter shows up, I know and understand there's this supernatural connection that I cannot explain with words. People that look different than me, that act differently than me, maybe even have a different worldview than me, but they have the same belief that Jesus is the king. We have this supernatural connection and it is mind-blowing that that happens, but that's the basis of our connection together. So I can come from someone who doesn't think like me And I can be united together with them because of our shared hope in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to you? That's the basis of our hope. Then the next thing that connects us is our need for one another. And if COVID taught us anything, COVID taught us that we don't do well alone, right? Some better than others, but I'm telling you, depression, suicide, all that has been on the rise during this COVID season. And uh, some people who have never been, you know, I meet people all the time who walk up to me and say, you know, I haven't been to church in a year. And they walk into our auditorium and a lot of them, this is no joke, a lot of them just start crying because what this place represents is connection. It's connection. It's not because it's not I'm on the stage or we have this amazing worship team. It's because this place represents connection. So we're wired by God to need one another. In fact, that's, I want to share three things about our need for each other. First of all, we are, wired, we are wired by God, I believe, for this connection. And just in case you don't believe that, let me show you this from the Bible. In Ephesians 2.21, this is talking to believers. So if you're a believer, this is God's word for you today. Listen to it very carefully. If you're a believer, if you have received Christ as your Savior, And Lord, this is what Paul says to you. Together we are, speaking of us corporally. together we are his house built on the firm foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are, now watch this, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So here's what I want you to see. Don't miss this. If you're a believer, don't miss this. Do not miss this. You are carefully placed into the body of Christ. You may have thought, thought you chose your church. Guess again. You were placed. We are joined together by Him. Not by our decisions, by Him. This is so powerful. Let me read it to you one more time, just so you get it. Together, we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are this, this building isn't the church. We are the church. We the people are the church. And we are on assignment from God. And God has carefully placed us into his body. So there's a game called Jenga. I don't know if you've ever seen it, played it. It's kind of a fun game to play. The goal of the game is to pull out blocks, blocks out without causing the structure to fall. You can see it on the screen there. And so when you think about that, I want you to think about that in relationship to church right now. The church. So wouldn't it be sad? This would be sad. The goal is to be the last person standing. You pull the last block out and the whole structure stands. Right? So now let's think about that as it relates to the church. Wouldn't it be sad if you removed yourself and nobody knew? The structure didn't fall. Nothing happened. There was no damage. What that would mean, listen to me carefully, don't shut me down here. What that would mean is that you're not connected to the structure. That's what it would mean. So that you're, you're, just, you're just filling space. If you were to leave and no one would care and no one would notice It would be a pretty sad thing for you because God has wired you for connection, very clearly wired you for connection. And because God's will is for you to be joined together with other believers for the sake of his kingdom, it would, you know, if you're not doing that, if you're not being joined together for the sake of his kingdom, then you're missing out on something dynamic and powerful. And in our culture, especially in the West, because I've had the opportunity to travel to the East uh, and spend some time there in the East, what I've noticed is the difference between Easterners and Westerners, I'm talking about Far East and Westerners, is that Westerners focus on their rights. Easterners focus on the corporateness of whatever they're doing. There's a difference in how they even read Scripture. And you and I, because we focus on our individual personalities and What's in it for me and we're consumers, all those kind of things. What that means is, is, that, is that oftentimes we're not connected the way God would have us to be connected. And so a third thing about connection is connection brings balance. The more connections you have, the larger your the larger perspective will be. Here's what I've discovered. I can't tell you how many times that the people around me have talked me off the ledge. Something ticks me off and I'm getting, you know, I'm ready to get my ax out and whack down the tree, and they're saying, hey, Pastor Dan, slow it down, time out. Maybe we should pray about this before you take your ax out. And uh, I'm going, okay, we'll pray about it. And then I get my ax out. No, I don't get my ax out. How many times has someone saved you from making a fool out of yourself? Just simply, let let me talk to husbands. Husbands, listen to me. How many times has God saved your bacon because your wife said, stop it? That's not right. Slow down. Think about that. That's how God works. And I'm just telling you, we, are, we need each other because we bring balance to the equation. We oftentimes, on our own, would make a fool out of ourselves when the reality is, is that God has placed us in a, in a body so that we can have a balanced view of life. And then lastly, connection, not lastly in my message, so don't get your hopes up. Just talking about connection here. Connection makes you stronger. In Ecclesiastes 4:9 it says, two people are better off than one. Do you agree with that? Amen. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Someone who falls alone, when you mess up in a group, the other, the group surrounds you, you know, lays hands on you, picks you up. You know, dust you off and send you on your way. When you fall alone, you're you're on your own to get up, and there's no encouragement. And I love how this verse translates this. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We're better together. Always, we're always better together. When I was a younger man last year, I was I was I was when I was a younger man, I was really into bench pressing. And to, now I'm into bench warming, which is a whole different sport <laughs> altogether. You know, it's a little more comfortable for me now. But here's what I learned when I – and I do lift a little weights now, but not like – I used to be a fanatic. When I would lift by myself, when I would bench press by myself, I could never lift as much as when I had a spotter. Because the spotter would always push me to more than I, was, I thought I was capable of. And that's the way it is. When you and I are together, we'll always be stronger – In community. Now, the third thing that connects us is our assignment or our mission. So, let me just say this hold on just a second, time out. We're going to go into the uncomfortable zone, the twilight zone for just a few minutes, and I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable with where you are in your spiritual walk with Jesus, probably. So, if you are a born again believer in Jesus, whether you're watching online, or whether you're here in our on campus, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, then God has given you a mission. And that mission is not different than my mission. Together we share the same mission. So what is that mission that Jesus assigns us to? Listen to this carefully. The mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by loving peop- people who are far from God and declaring the gospel of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. That is the mission of the church. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, if that's not your mission, then you might not be in in touch with Jesus as you think you are. Let me say it again. If that's not your mission, then you're not as connected to God as you think you are because that's Jesus' mission. Jesus, when he left the planet said, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. That's our mission. Anything short of that is a disconnect from Jesus himself. So you may have a mission to be the richest person in the world or you may have a mission to be da-da-da-da or, you know, to sell enough product. I'm just simply saying if your mission isn't, the primary mission isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ and your next-door neighbor then you may not be as connected to Jesus as you think you are. Now, that's kind of uncomfortable for me to say, right? But it's true. It's absolute truth. I'm speaking truth here today. That's what Jesus left the planet when he said to his disciples, go and make disciples. He meant for all of us to do that. In the book, The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer, he's an old dead guy. He wrote, he wrote this. is so applicable today. He says... Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? Do you know why there's so much division in the church today? Because we're not tuned to the one and only God. When we are tuned to the one and only God, we're automatically tuned to one another. And what we should be in tune with is the mission that God sends us out with. God has commissioned, commanded the church with this mission of reaching the unchurched, showing love and compassion to the world and helping to strengthen those already in Christ. We achieve this not by being in competition with one another, but being in tune with Jesus. And let me just say this. Let Let me just say this clearly. When you and I come together as the body of Christ and we're in tune with God, and that's the mission of the church, I don't know if you get this, we're one body in Christ. That's what Ephesians says. That's what 1 Corinthians says. We're one body. So, when I've had the privilege of winning lots of people to Jesus, but here's the reality it wasn't me, it was all of us. Everyone has a share in that. You understand that? So, everyone we're going to baptize next weekend, I want you to know as you're connected to Jesus, as you're connected to God, you have a share and a reward in that. You had a part. There's a story. They have a story. And the stories you heard earlier all have connection to somebody. Somebody's been praying for that person. Somebody has been witnessing to them. And all I do is come along and maybe close the deal. But, but it's not me. Anybody I've ever won to Christ, I realize that it's a mission of the church. And it, I stand on the foundation of that mission. And think about this way. As you connect to that mission... Every person that we win to Christ, there is, in a sense, a reward in heaven for that for you as well. It's a powerful thought. So unlike fantasy football, this is not a competition. This is not a competition. We don't keep individual stats. It's not a matter of who gets the most yards or touchdowns or receptions. We're all, we all on the same team. And as we see that, as we are finely tuned to Jesus... And he's working through all of us. We are automatically connected to each other. And there is a deep sense of unity that takes place. When I'm connected to the Father in the right way, I'm then connected to you in the right way. Does that make sense to you all? So important for us to understand this. This is what Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17. The night before he was crucified, he prays that I pray that they would be one, Father, as we are one. As Jesus and the Father were one, that was the prayer for us. And the only way we can do that is be, by being connected with, with God. So having said all that, I'm going to go back to the original question. How are you connected? How are you connected? Are you part, are you a spectator in this sport? Because if you're a spectator, then you'll just be a critic. But if you get in the game, there's a, that, that changes everything for you. So, there are several ways that you can get connected here. Let me suggest just a couple of them. Uh, if you're not connected, start at Life of Grace. We have one next week on, this, on the 9th of, of uh, February. Is that next week or the week? I, whenever. It's in the future. It's on the 9th. I know that's the date. And uh, sorry, just a moment that I doubted myself. But I'm back. I'm back now. So, so if you've never been to Life of Grace, you know, Do that. If you haven't been to one of our seven-minute meetings, come to one of our seven-minute meetings. We'll help you. We'll introduce you to people. Uh, And here's a novel thought. If you want to really get connected with people and not just be a spectator, why don't you stop racing to your car after church? I'm just saying it's so obvious to me. I, you know, hi. Oh, you know, oh, I guess they were. See you later. See you next week. Why don't you slow down and just introduce yourself to some folks? Who knows? Maybe you'll find your next best friend along the way. It might be me. I don't know. If you pay me enough money, it could be me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Why don't you slow down? Instead of, instead of making church an activity, why don't you make it about relationship and figure out how do I, how do I I'm not going to leave church until I connect with somebody, I, I have a conversation with somebody along the way. And to do that, you got to slow it down and not just go to the next activity and, uh, or why don't, you, why don't you think about and pray about joining a serving team? You know, just one of our teams that serve here around the campus. You know, there's lots of them. You can join a serving team. And you know what we've discovered here at Grace? Is that when you join a serving team, the people on the serving team become really close. They start having dinner with each other. They start enjoying each other's company. They start, they start this thing called fellowship, which is what God's intent with, for us is. So it's a very powerful thing. And we have one more thing for you, one more idea for you. And uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to introduce it. So let me pray. And while I'm praying, it's going to be very rude if you leave while I have my eyes closed. (laughs) I'm just kidding you, but, you know, kind of, kind of kidding you. So let's just, let's just pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for today. And I pray, God, that, Lord, it would be true that as we are connected to you, That, God, you would connect us to one another. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful and awesome name and for his glory. And all of God's people said...